Hi, my name is Chris Lamont, the New South Wales Small Business Commissioner. Welcome to Talking Business. Small businesses are vital contributors to our economy and our communities. In this series, we're talking with business owners and operators across the state about their experiences, insights and ideas. We'll also be sharing information from experts and thought leaders to help small businesses achieve their goals. Today we are talking to Lara Rose, a member of the Commission's Small Business Reference Group and founder of Penrith Early Learning Centre in Sydney's West. Lara took over the struggling childcare business in 2011 with no formal experience in childcare. Thanks to her dedication to people and determination, she has found success and despite the challenges of COVID, is about to open another people-focused business. Welcome to Talking Business, Lara. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. We're very honoured. I um, want to go through a few few questions today um, as we open up in New South Wales and business gets hopefully a little more optimistic about the, the next 12 months. But I want to go back. I want to go back to when you started your business mm-hmm. and, and ask the obvious question, how? How did you get started? Thank you, Chris. Look, it was... Um... I was a stay-at-home mum, two kids at home. Um, I couldn't work, actually, due to immigration laws and when we came in. But I started thinking about what I would do when that opportunity came along, and and it did very quickly. So I started out um, with a small business creating gluten-free treats, which was hardly a thing at the time. I found myself a couple of contract manufacturers, hired out some spaces, got going, it got some really great momentum, and um, we got into some significant brands. There were some really exciting times. Um, a sad family situation happened, and I had to sort of pivot, shift my focus. That did actually cost me my business at the time. Um, but once my family was safe and settled, I knew it was start, time to start again. A friend of mine had invited me to come and help her, um, give her some feedback about, as a parent about her childcare centre, And I quickly saw an opportunity in a space, and it's children are my passion. And I jumped at the opportunity to purchase a childcare centre with with the help of my family that was very run down in Penrith that had been on the news for, you know, literally abandoning children in there and helicopters. And it was in a bad way, so it was a very big challenge that I did take on. But I'm so grateful that I did. I'm so grateful that I had the vision. So going back to the, those early stages, taking on an, uh, a new business, children of your own, a lot of challenges in business at the best of times. But I guess what would you tell yourself if you could have one of those sort of out-of-body experiences, go back in time to meet the challenges, take them on as you did head on, what, what advice would you give yourself? Well, I wish I could actually go back because it would just be amazing. So I'd like to speak to any person out there that is um, that has a vision, that has a passion or a dream for a business. And it would really be to be um, internally referenced, to do a lot of work on yourself in order to build resilience, in order to have grit, in order to exercise empathy and not sympathy. And a foundational sort of formula that I've used to navigate through that I wish I had learned in those earlier years is a little formula that my sister taught me called E plus R equals O. The event plus the reaction equals the outcome. And given a deeper understanding of that, it actually means that whatever situation that we're faced with, being internally referenced means that 
we actually can make a conscious choice about how we react to it, which will then have a huge impact on the outcome. So that that took time to learn. It took years to learn and is actually a journey that I'll always be on. I like the analogy that when you point a finger of blame at others, there are four more pointing right back at you. So being internally referenced, taking personal responsibility, building a team of trusted people around you, and really seeking to understand and get educated. Because one thing that as small business owners, we we take on a lot of responsibility. And quite simply, we just can't be good at everything. So looking to really resource yourself, understand what your weaknesses are, know that that is not, that's not a punishment. It's not a failure. It just means you're strong somewhere else, but weaker in this area. So resource yourself and surround yourself with the people that can support you where you're weak. I think that's really good advice. A lot of small businesses I talk to often forget to invest in themselves. They invest in their business, uh, they invest in their staff, um, but they often don't take the, the time or make the, the important example of investing investing in themselves. So that's, that's really good advice. I, I want to go to something that I guess Australian small business are also sometimes reluctant mm-hmm. to talk about, and that's, yeah. and that's mistakes. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a rare individual that doesn't make them, but, but did you make any? And, and I guess Chris, the, the ultimate, yes. did you learn from them? I, I have learned to become a lover of mistakes, and I, I say that because I've paid a very high price to get there. Um, I've made many. I've made so many. I've had a monumental failed business um, in my repertoire. Um, which I actually think was my greatest teacher. So I think that you've just got to get back up, dust yourself off, face your ego right on and say, get up, get up and do it again Um, and really learn from them. So what did I learn? I learned, again, going back to the investing in self, taking personal responsibility, um, separating. It's a lot of work to separate yourself from that ego and leaning into this place where it's all about what people think about you or what your reputation is or whether somebody likes you or doesn't like you, really actually that's quite irrelevant. How you conduct yourself, the example that you lead as a person is all that's important. And my my most important leadership skill that I choose to develop and and demonstrate is that of taking responsibility. So at every opportunity, I stand before my team and say, I did that wrong. Sorry, that was me. Whether it was I didn't take out the trash or whether it was I've turned up late for a meeting or whatever it is, it's important to just own it. And as soon as that culture of, of creating a space where you can, can own up to things, um, we started seeing people flourish, particularly the trainees. We're, we're very passionate about bringing young people into the industry and really showing them the correct way and I've we've had trainees that have that have flourished they're they're the first ones to put their hands up and say sorry I forgot that or can you teach me this so that's something that I'm really passionate about owning your mistakes and learning from them and teaching others so they don't have to go through the same pain and I think that's a a really important uh, point that you make about your trainees feeling more confident then because I guess when you're learning your profession it often feels that the boss is watching and you won't try new things or you won't really excel for fear of, well, let's be blunt, stuffing it up. So the fact Absolutely. that you as the owner, operator, leader 
were prepared to own your mistakes, I think must have made it much easier for the trainees. Yeah, I think it's made it easier for the whole team, actually. Um, the knock-on effect of that is huge, and I see it in the most positive light. I really do. I think bringing back that human factor, the element of care, um, and really we like to, you know, we went through a stage where everything was staff, 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 and I stopped and reflected on that and went, wow, this is, that dehumanizes it. The, these are our people. These are our family. This is, without them, we are literally nothing. So for us, it's all about really creating a space where every staff member feels extremely valued, irreplaceable, and, and nurtured, yet there is a high level of accountability. It's an honor for you to come and work at Penrith Early Learning Center and be nurtured in this environment. And we do require a lot of you back because we have high standards. And staff really in your, in your business, they would have to be your, your primary asset. 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, that's good. Good advice. Um, I want to change pace a little bit, and and mm-hmm. we can't avoid um, COVID, even though things are improving in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. You work uh, in an environment. Your staff and team work in an environment where COVID would have presented some some major challenges. There would mm-hmm. have been fear. There would have been a level of anxiety. At certainly at various points over the last eighteen months. How did, how did you overcome that? And, and I guess in a, both a practical way, but more importantly, perhaps that reassurance for for your clients, for your staff, for your community. The reassurance was probably, the reassurance in the practical side, well, one was just as important as the other, because whilst the reassurance requires you to be emotionally available and supportive of everybody that, that that is within your community, your team and your community. At the same time, I had an overwhelming responsibility as the business owner, as the approved provider, the buck stopped with me. So I had to split my time quite equally with um, absolutely diving as deep as I possibly could into legislation. I was on the Treasury's website, felt like night and day. It was compliance, 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 and really keeping up to date with what was available, how we could access it. Um, getting as much support as we could that was available. And at the same time, honing in on my life coaching skills and and literally counselling my staff members. I remember the 3rd of April was my birthday and I had to stand down 11 people before, um, you know, when, when disaster struck. And it was the most heart-wrenching time. Yet in that space that I held with all those 11 people, um, I felt like there was a level of trust that they knew that I was going to move heaven and earth for them to bring them back to everything within my power. So I felt like whilst there was this high level of angst, high level anxiety, we created a space where people could cry, could express themselves, could be really free to lean into the pain of what they were facing. And um, at the end of that day, Chris, I landed in a heap and I was on the floor crying. But I, but I had to stay strong and I, I had to be the one that was, that, that was going to hold it all together and make it work for them. Do you think there, it was really an extraordinary, well, we faced a, an extraordinary time for more than 18 months now, but mm. was there a sense, do you think, with your, with your team that, hey, this is completely beyond Lara's control, this is, this is an international pandemic that we're facing? Do you, do you think they understood 
the macro piece. This wasn't you just being, you know, a small business operator. This was you reacting to global events. Do you, do you, do you think they understood that or was it the lens of, hey, I've lost my job and I'll deal with the, the bigger macro issues later? I think there was a little bit of both, but predominantly the investment that I had made into relationships and connection and trust meant that they cri- we cried together. We mourned together. We went through it together. So they were unbelievably supportive towards me. And I really believe that that is only because of the time that we had taken to nurture everybody. And given to that human side, honestly, they were so supportive. I I could not have been more honoured with each and every one of them's response and how loving and kind they were through it all. And I can only attribute that to really investing in the human side. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then going through, so so your business is is uh, back operating again. Are, are there mm-hmm. are there lessons from COVID that um, will stay with you and will guide how you continue to run and operate? at your business? Yes, I think there really are. Um, it's been it's been an incredible journey. And, and like you said, I'm, I'm really hoping that we're out the other side of it now. I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is that small business is actually the backbone of the economy. And as a small business owner, I really reflected on that and realized that I, as a small business owner, felt insignificant. I felt a little bit um, of Shame is too strong a word, but there was this this negative connotation associated with being a small business owner that um, I feel COVID is providing the opportunity to change. If anything, it has shown us that when small business shut down, the economy shut down. The impact of having us gone was evident and it demonstrates our value. So I feel like the shadow that was on small business, we've now got an opportunity to change that. I really believe that um, it's it's made me, certainly as a small business owner, appreciate what I do, appreciate what I bring, appreciate the sacrifices that I've made. And I feel like I can stand slightly taller, but very humbled in feeling good about my contribution to what I'm doing for the Australian economy and feeling proud of that. I'm really wanting to encourage other people to stand tall. Small business is important. We are just as important as, as, as the big guys and we're valued. I think that's because the, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the, um, the last small business reference group. That's a right. couple of the small businesses on that said a very similar thing that up until the pandemic, you know, they consider themselves just small business owner operators. They, they really probably didn't see the importance that their businesses and that they made to the, the community, the economy, the general servicing of, of our nation. And, and it was sort of surprising to unpack that a little bit, I thought, the other, the other week. Yeah, I, I remember that and I reflected on that quite deeply, actually, because I wanted to know, well, where does that come from? What is the cultural belief that we have in our society that has created this belief system? Because I wasn't alone. It was clearly demonstrated to me in that reference group and speaking to other business owners that, you know, prior to this, it was small business owner, keep your head down, do the right thing, um, suck it up, keep working, you know, just just do your thing. And a little bit of... Um, oh, you think you're so special because you're a small business owner and you can work when you want and you can do what you want. So there was there was 
there was an illusion, I think, about what small business ownership means and the responsibility. And now I think that having had the economy almost come to a grinding standstill when small business closed down, I think people are going to have a little bit more gratitude for, you know, the beautician down the road, the dry cleaner on the corner, for small business. No, absolutely. It's been said before, but there are more than 800,000 New South Wales small businesses. So small businesses in that quantity, too big to ignore. It's been said before. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I want to turn turn to, I guess, the support um, or what government could do to assist small businesses. Now, there have been a range of, of grants and assistance over the last 18 months. But um, I guess if you were Prime Minister or Premier for the, for the day, um, what would mm-hmm. you like to see done for small business? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement that small business is the backbone of the economy, providing business owners with positivity and self worth, would be a really good place to start. And I think on a more practical level, looking at ways that wage subsidies could be used to promote wage growth, which then creates a domino effect to spend more money to invest more money, and the cycle of growth happens organically rather than putting money directly, say, into individual pockets, I think that if we filter that money through the through those 800,000 businesses, through through the system that is that is keeping us going, and we may have the opportunity to excel, rather than, you know, um, people being able to get money to stay at home and not work, how can we filter that through businesses that you actually need to turn up, show up, contribute, and then get paid? Mm-hmm. One of the things I've I've talked about previously is the I guess the fear that I have that young entrepreneurs in Australia and in New South Wales might look at uh, the last eighteen months, uh, look at um, all the challenges and uncertainty that small business face, and say the hell with that it's it's too hard I'm 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 not mm-hmm. even going to try. Um, how do we, in your view, actually give more opportunities, more confidence for the next generation of entrepreneurs to, to have a go and start their own small business? Amazing question. Look, I think, um, sadly, starting off with the reality that nothing is actually easy. But if you do want to create real wealth and have real life experiences, the only way is small business. Your own voice and your own individuality is the gift. So use that as your point of difference and start a small business to educate yourself, surround yourself with the right team. And if, if, if government had exactly what you guys are doing, Chris, I really thank you for it. Creating a space of, for learning, creating a space where um, somebody doesn't make the assumption that they are too small or too invisible and insignificant Mm -hmm. to knock on the door, go on the website learn about it. How do I register an ABM? What do I do? What are my responsibilities? Where is the support that I can get? And really to empower people to know that there is endless opportunity in each and every one of us. So how can we create an environment where there is less judgment around small business, there is more openness, there is more respect to really inspire people to actually tune into that individuality and creativity, the gift that is within them, and bring it out. The education systems, um, how do we encourage individuality? How do we encourage creativity? 
and looking possibly also at um, at the level of red tape that we have within our councils, within within um, the practical aspects of what you actually need to go to in order to start a small business. Those can more than oftentimes be off-putting and people go, well, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. So let's go back in time for our last question. So imagine we were October 2020 uh, and then come forward to October 2021. Are you more or less optimistic this time this year compared to last year? Um, I would say that I, I was... I was optimistic last year. I, I like to be an optimistic person. I've, I, my optimism has dwindled, but it has come back up. We're actually at the point of opening a second business, a significant business in Mossman, actually, a huge wellness center that we're opening. So um, I think that alone demonstrates my commitment to small business, my, my commitment to a positive outcome, and my belief system, I believe that small business is the backbone of the Australian economy. I continue to to demonstrate that through my actions and um, want to create more. I want to create more opportunity. I want to inspire young people to come in. And in actual fact, I've had a number of young people approach me to come and work within this centre because they, they've got an understanding of the new feeling. I want to say the new the new environment that we're creating for them to work in to really allow people to flourish. So I am positive about it. I do think that we have a great future ahead of us. I think that we we do need to stop with, you know, as we have with the lockdowns, with the draconian laws, I think making it easy for people to do business is, is really critical because we otherwise we're just going to shy people away. Yeah, no, good points. Lara, that's all we've got time for today. But can I can I say what a pleasure it has been to to work with you through the through the reference group and and to hear your story again today. I think to your point, we need more small businesses telling their story. It's not easy. Uh, there are challenges, mm. but the success that that you personally and your business has achieved is truly remarkable. So thank you for spending a bit of time with me today. Thank you, Chris. I much appreciate it. I'm Chris Lamont. Thank you for listening. We'll return soon with another instalment of Talking Business.